0: So it has been officially confirmed that Black Ops Cold War will be the next title in the Call of Duty video game franchise. It'll be released on November 13th, 2020. Fun fact, the original trailer for the game was banned in China because it features a one second clip of the Tiananmen Square protests. Anyway, for today's topic, we're gonna have to go back a few games in the Black Ops sub-series. In Black Ops 2, most of the early campaign focuses on CIA agents Alex Mason, Frank Woods, and Jason Hudson working with, and later turning against, Panamanian leader Manuel Noriega, or as Woods calls him, Old Pineapple Face. Noriega himself remains a controversial figure in Panama. He is revered by some for bringing economic prosperity to Panama, but despised by many others for his authoritarianism and involvement in drug trafficking and racketeering. Regardless of what people think of him, his actions led to one of the most interesting military operations of the Cold War and the War on Drugs. But first, we need to give some necessary background on both of these conflicts. common knowledge that the cold war was the ideological conflict between the us and ussr from the 1950s to the 1990s while there are a few well-known proxy wars of the cold war such as the korean war and the vietnam war many remain unknown the operation i'm going to be talking about today took place near the end of the cold war so it didn't have a major effect on it The impact of this operation was much more pronounced on the War on Drugs. The start of the War on Drugs dates back to 1914, back when heroin was sold over the counter as cough syrup with the passage of the Harrison Narcotics Tax Act. The prohibition of alcohol through the 18th amendment occurred in 1919, lasting until 1933. The Marijuana Tax Act of 1937 heavily restricted marijuana use in the U.S. 30 years later, in 1970, the Comprehensive Drug Abuse Prevention and Control Act was passed, and President Richard Nixon called drug abuse public enemy number one. However, He later eased up efforts against drug abuse by repealing mandatory minimum sentences for possession, and it seemed like the war on drugs was on its way out. However, this changed when the Comprehensive Crime Control Act of 1984 was passed, expanding penalties for cannabis and opioid possession and allocating billions of dollars to the Drug Enforcement Agency. The war on drugs became an international effort, and the US government began to ally itself with some pretty questionable world leaders, including Manuel Noriega. But this alliance soon faded, and the US made plans to oust Noriega. I'm going to tell you all about it, right now, on Historia Obscura. welcome to historia obscura this is the 19th episode of this podcast and i can't wait for you to hear this episode special thank you to patreon subscriber sodak zach if you want to receive a shout out in every episode among other benefits help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash historia obscura and becoming a patron one more thing Make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura, Anchor. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Anchor. Manuel Noriega's rise to power is fascinating in and of itself. Noriega was born in Panama City in 1934 to a poor Mestizo family. When he was a child, his single mother died from tuberculosis and he was raised by his godmother. Noriega performed very well in high school and he was recruited by US intelligence to provide them information about his school's youth wing of the Socialist Party of Panama. His older brother Luis was a prominent socialist activist, so Noriega began attending rallies and events with Luis to learn more about the Socialist Party. At the age of 17, Noriega received his first payment from the CIA for his work, $10.70. In 1958, he received a scholarship from Tutorillos Military School in Lima, Peru. Noriega enlisted in the Panama Defense Forces in 1962, and he became very close to his commanding officer, Omar Torrios. Noriega's alcoholism and violent tendencies posed a problem, and after Noriega was accused of beating up a prostitute in 1962, Torrios pulled some strings to keep Noriega out of legal trouble. After this incident, Torrios confined Noriega in his quarters for a month in order to make him undergo an alcohol detox. Despite this, the two remained close friends. In 1964, incumbent Panamanian President Roberto Chiadi ordered Torrios to harass and intimidate the supporters of Arnulfo Arias, his opponent in the presidential election. Torrios passed this task on to Noriega, who carried out the arrests of thousands of Arias's supporters. Due to many complaints of tortures by Noriega's men, along with the knowledge of his past violent incidents, Noriega was suspended from duty for 10 days. Arias would go on to win the election despite Noriega's efforts. Two years later, in 1966, Noriega was accused of raping a 13-year-old girl, and Torrios put him on indefinite leave. Under the request of Torrios, Noriega received training at Fort Benning in Georgia and Fort Bragg in North Carolina. Following the completion of his courses, Noriega was promoted to first lieutenant and he became an intelligence officer. He was successfully able to penetrate and disrupt several prominent labor unions in Panama, and soon enough he was back in the good graces of Omar Torrios. Meanwhile, US President Lyndon Johnson viewed Noriega as a powerful asset in the ongoing Cold War. On October 11, 1968, just 11 days into the presidency of Arnulfo Arias, Torrijos led a coup d'etat that ousted Arias and exiled him to Miami. Torrijos declared himself the leader of Panama, with Noriega as his second in command. Torrios served from 1968 to 1981, and he became very popular in Panama. He restored many civil liberties to Panamanian citizens, and he was heavily inspired by Egyptian President Gamal Abdel Nasser's nationalization of the Suez Canal. Hoping to bring the Panama Canal under his nation's control, Torrijos began negotiating with the United States to relinquish control of the canal to Panama. In 1977, U.S. President Jimmy Carter agreed to do this, and the torrijos carter Treaties were signed, requiring control of the canal to be transferred to Panama by 1999. Despite these treaties, animosity grew between Torrios and the U.S. when the Nicaraguan Revolution began. Torrios funded the left-wing Sandinistas, while the U.S. supported the right-wing Somoza government and the Contras. On July 31, 1981, Torrios was killed when his private plane crashed during a storm near Paranome, Panama. It is theorized that there was foul play involved by the U.S. government because of Torrios' support of the Sandinistas, but regardless of what happened, Noriega consolidated power after Torrios' death, becoming leader of Panama. I'd like to take a moment to thank one of the sponsors of Historia Obscura, Anchor. If you do not know about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make your own podcast, Anchor gives you all the tools you need to record, edit, and publish a podcast about anything you're passionate about, whether it's sports, cooking, art, politics obscure historical events or anything else you also don't need to have to go through the long and potentially expensive process of distributing your podcast as anchor automatically publishes it to apple podcasts spotify and others you can podcast from the comfort of your couch so long as you have a computer or phone with you you can easily make money through podcasting without having to seek out sponsors yourself since anchor gives them to you and the best part is it's free. You don't have to spend a penny. If you want to make your own podcast, go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app on iOS or Android to get started. After taking power, Noriega changed Panama's support in the Nicaraguan Civil War, funding the Contras alongside the U.S., In 1985, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North offered to help improve Noriega's image in the U.S. if the Contras were allowed to train in Panama. Noriega accepted the offer, and he would later assist North in selling arms to the Iranian government and funding the Contras with the profits. This became known as the Iran-Contra Affair. At the same time, the administration of U.S. President Ronald Reagan began ramping up the War on Drugs. While Noriega was touted as a major ally of the U.S. in the War on Drugs, he was actually complicit in most of Panama's drug trade. He also had extensive ties to the Medellin Cartel, led by the infamous Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar. Ultimately, after the Iran-Contra affair was exposed in the New York Times, Noriega wasn't a US asset anymore. Not wanting to be associated with the violent, authoritarian Noriega any longer, and fearing that he would jeopardize the neutrality of the Panama Canal, the Reagan administration began pressuring him to resign. However, Reagan opted not to invade Panama yet as he feared it would negatively affect the future presidential campaign of his vice president, George H.W. Bush. Seeing that his power was in danger, Noriega consolidated power and became much more hostile towards the U.S. In 1989, following the Panama General Election, a coalition of opposition leaders secretly tallied the results of the election. They discovered that Noriega lost in a landslide to their candidate, Guillermo Andara. After learning that they did this, Noriega's forces assaulted Endara the next day. By this point, Bush had won the presidential election in the US, and he cut off all negotiations with Noriega. In turn, Noriega declared a state of war with the US. Tensions reached a peak on December 16th, 1989. That evening, four American soldiers, accompanied by their families, were traveling in a jeep from Fort Clayton in the Panama Canal Zone to a Marriott Hotel in Panama City to have dinner. On the way there, they were stopped at a roadblock, and their jeep was surrounded by angry civilians and Panamanian soldiers. The soldiers were accused of being on a reconnaissance mission, and the PDF opened fire on the jeep. An AK-47 round entered the rear window and struck Marine First Lieutenant Robert Paz in the back. Paz later died from his injuries. He was 25 years old. In addition, Marine Captain Richard Haddad was shot in the foot. Navy Lieutenant Michael Wilson and his wife were arrested and detained by PDF soldiers. Wilson was beaten into a coma and his wife was sexually assaulted. A Spanish journalist who was standing outside of the Marriott Hotel was also fatally shot in the head by a stray bullet. After this incident, President Bush decided that the safety of Americans in Panama was compromised and he planned an invasion of Panama for December 20th. The operation was codenamed, Operation Just Cause. According to General Colin Powell, who has a school named after him in Union City, New Jersey, this name was selected because, and I quote, even our severest critics would have to utter just cause while denouncing us. Operation Just Cause began at 1am on December 20th, 1989. Over 27,000 US troops and over 300 aircraft were deployed to Panama. The invasion began at Punta Paitilla Airport in Panama City, where Navy SEALs successfully destroyed Noriega's private jet. This part of the invasion was actually included in the COD Black Ops 2 mission, Suffer With Me. Then, the attack on Panama City began. Navy SEALs and PDF soldiers fought in the low-income neighborhood of El Chorillo, which sustained serious damage. The SEALs also carried out Operation Acid Gambit, a raid on the Carcel Modelo prison to free Kurt Muse, an American civilian, imprisoned there. The invasion of Panama was groundbreaking in that it was one of the first major military operations to feature American women in combat roles. One of these women, Captain Linda Bray, was the first woman to lead American troops into combat. She won the Army Commendation Medal after leading an attack on a dog kennel where PDF troops were stockpiling weapons. The invasion was also unique in that it involved a platoon from the Missouri National Guard, making it the first time since the Vietnam War that a state's National Guard had been called to active service. After conducting many urban house-to-house raids to seize weapons in Panama City, the Navy SEALs began Operation Nifty Package. Its goal, find and capture Manuel Noriega. After his boat and private jet were destroyed, and with a $1 million reward out for his capture, Noriega decided to take refuge in the Vatican Embassy in Panama City. Under international law, American forces weren't allowed to enter the embassy, so they sealed off the perimeter of the building and set up camp outside. For three days straight, they blasted the songs Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses and You Shook Me All Night Long by ACDC at deafening volumes, knowing that Noriega hated those songs. After the nuncio in the Vatican Embassy complained about the volume of the music, Pope John Paul II requested that the music stop, which the seals agreed to. The nuncio later told Noriega that, if he didn't surrender, the staff of the embassy would transfer to a nearby Catholic high school and declare it the new embassy, leaving Noriega alone and unprotected. Seeing the writing on the wall that his time was up, Noriega attended mass and took communion, called his wife and daughters, and wrote a thank you letter to the Pope before surrendering to American forces on January 3, 1990. Operation Just Cause was complete. In the invasion, 23 American soldiers, 314 Panamanian soldiers, and between 200 and 3,000 civilians were killed. Thousands of civilians had also been rendered homeless due to the massive damage done to the slums of Panama City. As for Noriega, he was flown to the United States and put on trial for drug trafficking and racketeering. He was convicted in 1992 and sentenced to 40 years in prison. He was incarcerated for 17 years at the Federal Correctional Institution in Miami, Florida before being released in 2007 for good behavior and time served. In 2010, he was arrested again and extradited to France to stand trial for money laundering charges. He was convicted and sentenced to seven years in prison. While incarcerated at La Sainte prison in Paris, he was also convicted in absentia of murder and crimes against humanity in Panama and sentenced to 20 years in prison. He was extradited back to Panama in 2011 and incarcerated at Renacer prison in Gamboa. Going back to COD Black Ops 2 again, Noriega actually sued Activision in 2014 for negatively portraying his likeness in the game. The suit was dismissed since, you know, I'm not sure how you can positively portray the likeness of a convicted murderer. In January of 2017, Noriega was released to house arrest to prepare for surgery to remove a tumor in his brain. During the surgery in March of that year, he suffered a brain hemorrhage, leaving him in critical condition. Two months later, on May 29, 2017, Manuel Noriega died at the age of 83. That night, Panamanian President Juan Carlos Varela tweeted, The death of Manuel A. Noriega closes a chapter in our history. His daughters and his relatives deserve to bury him in peace. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. This was a longer episode than usual, but I'd say the extra time was well spent. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, send me a voice message at anchor.fm slash Historia Obscura slash message. Feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. Additionally, if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Historia Obscura and become a patron. And of course, I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Anchor. They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to anchor.fm. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off, but not for long.